You're listening to The Interview. In-depth retailer interviews with inspirational people. Hosted by Ben Bland. Brought to you by The Retail Exchange. In association with Retail Focus magazine and visual thinking. Inspiring retail performance. Hello, I'm Ben Bland. And in this latest episode of The Interview, we're talking food. In recent years, the hunger for healthy eating has certainly increased among the British public, and one company firmly behind that movement has been Leon Restaurants. John Vincent, who is the co-founder of Leon, and well, I was going to describe it as a fast food chain. Is that is that how you? Very happy for you to describe it. Okay. As yes. Um, so you opened your first store on Carnaby Street in London in two thousand and four. Since then, you've expanded, you now have, what, 50 stores across um, the UK and in Amsterdam as well. In that time, what have been the challenges, the biggest challenges you've faced in growing within the food and beverage bit of the retail industry? Um, I think there have probably been two. One is in, in, in trying to reinvent fast food, when you're, when you're reinventing something, and in our case, reinventing what we call sort of McDonald's in heaven or, if sort, of, or sort of if God did fast food, um, you're actually having to start from scratch in many areas. So, you know, the conundrum of, of taking fresh uh, ingredients based on a Mediterranean diet and getting those through, squeezing them through effectively a fast food process and getting the gross profit right, getting the wastage right, getting the, the you know, the ability to still deliver fresh to the customer as opposed to others who have, I guess, have a frozen supply chain. That's probably been the ultimate challenge. We've also, uh, I think, grown up in an environment in the UK where property is not only less available than elsewhere, say America, France even, um, but is also much more expensive. So if you look at the um, cost to revenue ratio of property in the UK, both the rents and the local taxes, the rates, you know, we're probably at about eight or nine percent higher in terms of percentage of revenue than elsewhere. Um, so I think, you know, you cannot afford to make um, property mistakes in the UK. And I think a lot of people do make property mistakes in the UK. Uh, and we, we've made our, our share of those. The food and beverage sector is very crowded. It's mm. very competitive. Mm. Why, why try and, 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 and encroach on, on that? What, what is it about that sector that you were passionate about? For us, we were... We're working a little bit too hard. We're working at a company called Bain & Company. Some of you know people listening may be familiar with that. It was a business consulting, or it is a business consulting firm. And we felt really as individuals that the type of food available to us, um, it might be fast food, it might be pizza, it might be cold sandwiches. It wasn't actually making us happy, and it certainly wasn't making us healthier. And we felt that that was a big problem to solve. Um, Allegra, who was uh, also a co-founder, um, her passion is in the best food for the most people. Um, mine was very much similar to that, democratising good food so that it is not the preserve of the wealthy. And we really thought that if we could use the fast food format, use the fast food ubiquity and pervasiveness, um, then we could solve a big problem and perhaps in solving a big problem we could have a big business. That was the idea. It's quite interesting because in, in, in 2014, um, you took on the, the role of actually designing and choosing the menus. Is that right? For, for well, the... we were both, all of us were involved from 2004. Mm. But I mean, 2014, I, I think 2014 is a year that's mentioned because that's the year that I became CEO. Um, 
And we were joint, I mean, Henry and I were joint CEOs for four or so years, four or five years at the start. Um, then there was a period where Henry was the CEO and I was more of a sort of semi-exec. Um, and then in 2014, um, Henry and I decided it might be right for me to have a go at the, you know, for me to have a, have a, have a go at the, you know, have the ball for a while. I've done it, it's your turn yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, um, and I think that, there has been there have been some changes in that period, but um, we, we we've always both been very focused on the menu. And since 2014, I think the menu drives the consumer appeal. It drives gross margin. It drives wastage. It drives labour patterns. So really, the key to anything really is in the menu structure. Tell me a little bit about the way that you you run the business. How how do you motivate the staff? Because a lot of the time, working in in fast food. Mm can feel for on the front line for people mm. a bit drudgery mm. a bit uninspiring what do you do to avoid that because if if sometimes the danger is if that's how people feel that comes across to the to the customer yeah i think you make a good point because um if people are not and the first thing to recognize is the fact that a the pay is not high um it's basically living wage plus a bit um and secondly uh it can be very early starts, very late nights. It can be quite monotonous, you know, when you if you're making seventy superfood salads or chicken salad bases in the morning, ready for lunch. Um, so you, you, you're, it's a good question. I mean, we think about it a lot. I mean, the first thing to recognise, I think, is that people are not as coin operated as Western economists have traditionally thought. So the biggest thing that we uh, that we find is that camaraderie and the sense of family is the one thing that people say they stay reason they stay at Leon and when they have to leave because maybe they their, their partner moves or they move into a different um, sector that's the one thing they say they miss so for us um looking at you know replicating what you might see in a platoon or, or a, a small group of soldiers or a small football team it's really that sense of joint achievement to, to run a lunchtime shift at Leon is incredibly tough. Um, you might have in a lunchtime 500 people coming through the restaurant. Um, and it's almost, I don't know whether anyone's seen the film Shaun of the Dead, but it's almost like you've got these <laughs> rows of zombies and you just you just have to keep sort of like, you have to keep getting through them by pressing the buttons on the till and getting things to feed them. Have you spoken um, to your marketing department? Yeah, you I don't think yeah, <laughs> Yes, I'm sure the customers would be delighted with that one. Um, but you, you just have to keep shooting them down. Yeah. Um, but um, but the, uh, and I guess the sense of camaraderie once you've been through that is really interesting. And we, we do a lot of celebration. Um, it, the culture is very much based on positivity, catching people doing things right. There's a huge amount of celebration when uh, a customer uh, writes in. We keep something called the God Book, which is a glimpse of brilliance book, which is all the great things that have what, happened. What, what does it stand for? So, it stands, so we talk about moments of truth and glimpses of brilliance. So a moment of truth is an opportunity that you have to spot to do something great for a colleague or for the customer. So that might be a customer who's lost her purse, or it might be a customer who's in distress because something's gone wrong, or they've been, you know, felt, you know, or their boyfriend or girlfriend has choked them. Um, whatever the opportunity is, um, or whatever the problem is, or whatever the quizzical look on the customer's face is, that is an opportunity to delight. And then the glimpse of brilliance really is the the thing that you do once you've noticed the moment of truth. And the glimpse of brilliance, is it's based on the idea that if you program your brain with all of the positive stories about things you've done in the past, your esteem and your belief and your 
nervous system memory to do those things again is enhanced. So every time, if you wanted to go into a Leon and you could say, can I see the gob book? Um, people might look surprised, but they would show it to you. And in there, there would be stories that customers have written, stories that they've written themselves about all the great things that they've done to delight customers or each other. So you've essentially turned the concept of a, of an incident log or a complaint book yes. completely on its head. A hundred percent. A lot of a lot of people places as you're intimating, you know, you must keep a log of complaints here. It's the idea of you know you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. It's like good bacteria. Better to grow the good bacteria than kill the bad bacteria. So that's really the principle. It's a holistic health message. Yeah. Give us some choice highlights from the God book then. I, I give you. I give you one example. There was a there was somebody who had lost their bag in Heathrow Airport. And because they had been to a Leon, uh, they were tourists, they'd been to a Leon in London and they'd been helped out so much that, and they noticed someone in a Leon uniform in the airport and they went up to them and said, oh, do you think you could help me because I've lost my bag? Um, you know, other, in, other examples of, you know, someone who um, was, uh, you know, there was a big bang in one of the restaurants, and the manager worked out that one of the bugaboo tires on a customer's buggy had burst. So he went um, and found a bicycle repair shop and himself fixed the tire. But, you know, we get all sorts of things like that. Or someone has lost a something valuable in a bin and a, and a team member spends an hour going through all the bins to find it. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's all, of, all sorts of opportunities to serve and all op- sorts of opportunities to delight. The sentiment behind that, encouraging your, you know, your staff to do that sort of thing, fosters a lot of goodwill um, and and a, and a nice atmosphere. But if I was an investor, I would be thinking, well, that is time they are not spending contributing to upping sales or or increasing profits. What would you say to me if I was putting that to you as an investor? So, um, first of all, I'd say we need to part company. Um, <laughs> secondly. Um, <laughs> Good answer. Yeah, secondly, um, secondly, I'd say that although we can't measure the sp- specifics, um, the intangible benefit of camaraderie on team retention, um, on uh, customer retention, customer loyalty, customers telling their friends uh, is very significant. And even if you were to stop at the team camaraderie, even if you were to stop at the impact on internal culture, um, those stories have a huge amount uh, to play in recruitment. Um Obviously, losing somebody has a hard economic cost um, of retraining them, rehiring someone for that role, and all the soft costs of losing someone that maybe the customer knows. And suddenly the customer comes in and they don't know the person serving them because we've 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 not got on top of retention. So I, I think that you know we will continue to do those things and we will continue to put them at the heart of, of the culture. I know the issues of sustainability being ethically responsible and environmentally responsible uh, are now very much in fashion, very much in vogue, reducing plastics and, and, and so on. You've been doing that sort of stuff from, from the start. Does it frustrate you that now others are joining that, that, that movement, that bandwagon, if I can put it like that, and perhaps eating away at what you might have been able to, to, to flag up as a unique offering from Leon or do you take a more uh, moralistic view and think, actually, this is great that more people are doing it? Yeah, I, l- I learned a martial art called Wing Chun. Uh, it's, it's Bruce Lee's martial art, it's Kung Fu. And really, you just want everyone to do your martial art because because you're always going to be a bit better than them at it because they come and get to it second. <laughs> yeah. And secondly, I feel passionate. I mean, 
I can't get, I don't get it if people are not, um, about making sure that we don't fuck the planet up. I mean, we're all going to need, look how much stuff we're buying. We're going to need somewhere to put our stuff. What happens if we don't have anywhere to put our stuff? I'm delighted if others uh, do it. Um, uh, I'm only ever frustrated if others pretend they're doing it and are not doing it. But I think that, you know, Kenry and I were given an award called um, uh, the an award for sustainable capitalism, um, and there was a, uh, a government minister who stood up, minister for business, and said, "Look, guys, the or guys and girls, the purpose of capitalism is to make money, um, but shit, we better make it sustainable." And it occurred to me that that is looking down the wrong end of the telescope because actually. The purpose of capitalism, capitalism is just a tool, right? It is like a knife. It is like a hammer. It is only there um, to be used by the agent who is the moral agent making the decision to use that tool. Um, and sometimes people give up on capitalism and say, capitalism is this somehow amazing, amoral, self-correcting system where moral human agency is not required because the system takes care of itself. You know, if we were a Brazilian tribe, we wouldn't wake up in the morning and say, guys, the purpose of business, the purpose of our tribe is to make money. And then once we've poisoned the rivers, chopped down the trees, killed the monkeys, then we'll go to a charity event and we'll buy like a Wayne Rooney t-shirt to make ourselves feel good. Um, That cannot be the role of capitalism it cannot be how we approach it so i very much think that the purpose of cap of of business and people the purpose of people must be to protect and enhance the human spirit and we need to make that very financially sustainable in order for that to perpetuate and so i'm delighted when others uh follow any lead that we may have been lucky to to give and so how do you live that out within your business at the heart of what we what we're trying to do is to match the nutritional and I guess spiritual needs of the individual with the ecological needs of the planet. So we're saying, first and foremost, we want this food to nourish, nurture, and to make people feel good after they've eaten it. That is the first focus that we have. And that means means following a Mediterranean diet. It means looking at gut health. It means making sure that we are using using a wide range of plants. Um, that's one aspect. When it comes to the environment, we have four, four major things that we're looking at and that we continue to look at. One is moving away from red meat consumption, given the um, ecological impacts of that, to more plants, as I've mentioned. The second is going from oil-based um, uh, fuels to renewable. And I'm pleased to say that all the energy that we buy ourselves, um, as opposed to where maybe there's one shopping centre that where they have to buy it and distribute it, Everywhere we buy it we, we, is renewable, and in the summer it's 100% solar, because I think that is ultimately the, the, the basis of the future, solar energy. Um, uh, thirdly, we have been progressively eliminating plastics, even ahead of the current craze to do so. All of our um, cutlery, um, all of our straws will be plastic-free, and all of our cups will be plastic-free as well. All of our boxes have always been, so the majority of our packaging has always been plastic free Um, and then we're also looking at um, a huge focus on um, waste so you know by the end of this year we will not be putting any waste to landfill Um, I know I know many communities who's who's been blighted by having to have you know a new tip or rubbish dump Mm. next to their house and it's only then that they realize what's happening Um, and um, 
and we also are working with the UK government, a wonderful guy who people hate, but I quite like, called Michael Gove, um, who was uh, one of the architects of Brexit. Uh, and that's one of the reasons people don't love him. Um, but he has a great vision for how Britain can rewild, how Britain can uh, become much more green and pleasant, to quote the song. And so we're working directly with government. We have worked previously on something called the school food plan for the government, where we got free school meals for the first three years of, of school, because that makes economic sense, not just social sense. Um, we got cooking on the curriculum, practical cooking, not just mum, I've made a cake. You know, we've got loads of free breakfast for underprivileged kids. We got a whole new set of regulation about what can and can't be served. Um, he's been supported by people like Jamie Oliver. Um, so, you know, we, we do, unfortunately, we do tend to get involved in areas other than just making loads of cash now. Mm. And sometimes that can be a bit stressful, but we can't help ourselves. Um, so we do that. I mean, I get the sense that you and your family are very, very much involved um, in a hands-on way with Leon mm. um, and, and, you know, the, the stores, the, the, the restaurants. So much so... The, is it once, twice a year you host the, the managers of all the stores at your house? Yes, all the managers, all the support team. It's about 85 people now. Actually, it's about 100 people now. How do you fit them all one. in? Well, first of all, um, look, people are quite happy to sleep on the floor. Secondly, we do uh, for the summer one, we do have tents. Okay. So it's very intense. <laughs> That's my joke. Um, and, um, and it's just a wonderful experience. You know, everybody... People, when they try and attack Leon, as in competitors try and beat Leon, I think they think they're competing with a company and actually they're competing with a family. Do you know what I mean? They're competing mm. with a tribe, with a wolf pack. Um, and why, why do you do that? Why do you get everyone to your house? Okay, number one, I really enjoy it. <laughs> it's like your own mini festival. Then I, exactly. Then I post-rationalise about why it's important for the business. Yeah. So I think most businesses just post-rationalise, right? Yeah. So my post-rationalisation is, I think is correct too, which is that... Um, it is just a wonderful way of people, uh, of us delivering our well-being uh, focus. So, you know, we, internally we talk about the purpose of Leon is to make it easier for everyone to live and eat well, starting with ourselves. Uh, and so, you know, we have the most amazing sort of acupuncture, uh, Reiki, massage, um, hilarious stuff. Obviously, all the stuff like Zumba, tennis, um, uh, and in the, in the winter one, it's very yin. It's very internal. It's very introspective. After an acupuncture session, people are often seen sitting by the fire, trying to you know process their relationship with their dad. Uh, and in the summer one, it's more of a festival, as you've intimated, more mm. of a party, more outward. Yeah, more outward looking. Does it does it come to a point though when the company has got so big that you're going to have to stop doing it? Um, I really hope. I really hope not. I mean, the kids love it. And <laughs> uh, the kids are like, oh, when's the well-being day? Um, uh, uh, my wife, my wife enjoys it. Um, my mum comes. My dad used to enjoy it. He used to have remember everybody in the in the in everyone's names, which was amazing. Um, so I think people uh, will, I think, continue to camp. We've got one more field that we can kind of borrow to extend into with with the tents. You, you mentioned um, your dad's name is. Presumably that's where the name yes, of the business yeah, comes yeah, from. Yes, it, it was. It was. It, I mean, we didn't formally name it after my dad, but I think I did in my head. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, yeah, it's a lovely tribute to have, you know, uh, I wonder whether I can ever sell the business on this basis. But uh, Was he a particular inspiration to you? Well, he was, he was, I said in the eulogy that I gave that I now realise the values that we try and have in Leon are really the values that he had, which is, Huge integrity, but huge ability to have fun. So my dad was 
my my dad was so straight down the line. So you you know if you you do what you say you're going to do, uh, you keep your promises. You never fiddle your expenses even even for a penny. You know, he was so disciplined in that way, um, and had such high integrity. But at the same time, he played backgammon, snooker. He did horse racing. He betted. <laughs> he, you know, he betted on the football. He was a real laugh. Mm-hmm. He went sailing, and he was just a huge inspiration. I think from that sort of like the have your cake and eat it high integrity but high fun, high integrity, but high flavour. Do you know what I mean mm. in terms of the food? So I guess I guess he was very much implicitly a big inspiration for me, yes. And are those the values that you apply to yourself I as well? I try to, to God knows whether I do. <laughs> and there's a, I've, been, I've been watching a lot of Adam Watts and reading a lot of Adam Watts recently. He says there's a rascal in everybody. Mm. And if they don't admit that, then they're not being true to themselves. So I'm sure there's a rascal in me, mm. but um, <laughs> I, do try and, I do try and live by those values, yes. And have you always been passionate about the food and beverage side of things. I mean, is that where you see your career staying or do you have ambitions to do other things within retail or even beyond? I am someone that understands the value of focus um, and but isn't always good at doing it. So <laughs> it's a bit like I love a tidy room, but it's wonderful when someone else tidies yeah. it. So, <laughs> so, so I think to answer your question, I, I intellectually, I know I have to focus on Leon, but there are things... There's a Thai version of Leon with a, a chef called David Thompson, who is undoubtedly the best Thai chef in the world. Um, well, according to all the critics, he's a Michelin star Thai chef, owns Nam in Bangkok. And um, it's an opportunity, I think, for me to have my playpen or my sand pit mm. without compromising the, uh, the main business. So I do think that, any, for me, anything which feeds the human spirit and protects the planet is in scope for me in the future. But I'm, I have to follow through on quite a lot of operational changes in Lyon, a lot of geographical growth in Lyon before I can uh, have too big a sandpit elsewhere. Um, and where where might that growth come, do you think? Where are the opportunities? So I think that there are, I, I, I believe that f- fast food, consumer goods and technology, and maybe I've been saying this for a few years, but maybe people go, oh God, it's obvious now, but are converging. So the opportunity for Leon with the database that we have to offer broader food and well-being services, the opportunity to do um, food in grocery that allows people to eat well. So maybe a whole range of vegan mayos that allow people to enjoy vegetables more, to make vegetables taste good. Um, I can see that. Um, And also I can see there being a whole bunch of other cuisines that we can address with fast food. So we've done with the Mediterranean-based diet, we've done the Thai. I can imagine other cuisines, Chinese, Mexican, Indian, actually, um, so that the landlords and the customer and the guests and others have a broader choice of from, to pick from a portfolio of naturally fast food offers. I'm fascinated by the pace of and route of change. You see clearly now China is clearly ahead of us in terms of not just their not just their philosophy, or their, which they've been ahead of us for, for years, decades, centuries, not just their medicine, which they've been ahead of us for centuries, but um, uh, now the technology. And I think that um, I, I'm really intrigued as to how, let's take the UK, for example, or even America, how the UK and America are going to catch up. I'd say one thing more on, on that, which is some of the people that have made the biggest differences, the biggest innovations, have come from a slum in India or from uh, the back street in China and possibly just began bottom up. And I think that we must recognise the fact that it's action that counts. 
it is not navel gazing that counts. And the only slight caution I'd say is that it is important that people don't get overwhelmed by the amount of insight and actually pick one thing to actually do. Because it's the businesses that are now billion-dollar businesses that just chose one thing and got going with it. And I think we mustn't confuse it with action. We've got to get on with it. It goes back to your point about the importance of being focused and what you know. What a great point to end on. Really, um, really interesting conversation, John. Thanks very much for, um, for speaking to Thanks us. Thanks for having uh, me. John Vincent, co-founder of Leon. Thank you. You've been listening to the Retail Exchange Podcast. Subscribe online at theretailexchange.co.uk and join the debate on Twitter. Hashtag Retail Exchange. This episode is brought to you by retail transformation agency Visual Thinking in association with Retail Focus magazine. Thanks for listening.